This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. We are, we're now into September, and in most parts of the country, summer is over, although I think this week we're supposed to have highs uh, at 100, so it's not, summer is still here, but we're, we're I, both of us have gotten on with our, our kids and have gotten them settled where they're going to be for the fall. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we in Mississippi are lucky we're not dealing with any kind of tropical weather this week. So uh, think about all those people on the East Coast and and, uh, sending out good thoughts for them. That's right. But this is a good time for you to take stock of your own hurricane preparedness. While there's not a run at the grocery store, you can stock up and have your plan uh, prepared. But today we're going to talk about some of the laws that are of benefit for society. Now, some laws discourage actions, others encourage actions, and we're going to talk about the regulations that encourage retirement savings, things like IRAs, MRDs, and the new SECURE Act. And I'd like to remind our listeners why we're doing this on in legal terms and not on money talks. It's that Professor Gershon is the author of several books and articles on taxation and legal education. And this year, he's published the seventh edition of A Student's Guide to the Internal Revenue Code with Professor Jeffrey A. Maine. I remember when I was in college, we in accounting class, we bought the big, thick, what, three-inch thick uh, 1986 IRA paperback edition. Right. And, uh, you know, now you would not buy the paperback edition. You just find it online. And uh, thank you for the pitch about the book. It's actually, you know, I always say it jokingly, it's a coffee table book, you know, and people can thumb through and uh, the student's guide to the Internal Revenue Code, a good beach read. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad to be talking about retirement planning today. It's important and uh, it's something that Really, you know, the, the legal aspects of it are, are pretty complex. In fact, uh, when I took the class in my graduate tax program, uh, my teacher referred to it not as deferred compensation, but he called it deferred graduation uh, because of the complexity of it. But, but I, I think, you know, from a listener's point of view, what we're going to try to do today is talk about the different types of plans and why, it, it, you know, they should be investing in these plans now and not later. All right. Well, let's start off with some basics about retirement plans and who can contribute to them. Um, I guess starting off with uh, with 401ks, do do many employers provide 401ks? They do. And that's probably most employed people are probably uh, in a 401k if they're in a plan. Uh, Bigger employers especially uh, will do that. Uh, And so. You know, that's where you can have part of your salary deferred, uh, and that's really why it's deferred compensation. The ideas behind this is that 
instead of being taxed on that salary now, it'll be saved until I need it later when I'm no longer working. Then I can take it out, and it'll be taxed at that point. So it's tax-deferred uh, and not, not taxed right now. The employer often matches your contribution, so you don't want to leave that money on the table. I think it's you know, money talks would tell you that uh, one of the worst things you can do if your employer matches is not to make a maximum contribution yourself and miss out on that match. I My mother was... That was what was drummed into me when I started my first job. She was amazed at her workplace how many people did not take advantage of the matching. Maybe they felt they needed that money immediately to live on. But think about how much more money you would have to retire with if you did take uh, a matching amount. Exactly. And just a little bit when you're in your 20s and 30s. You know, if you think about investing that over a you know forty year period, it's going to turn into a lot of money that uh, you're leaving on the table if you don't if you don't do that now. So I tell my kids the same thing. You know, the first job you get, start putting money away. They've they've had jobs that were uh, part time jobs and things like that already, but you know the first full time job they have, they they need to start putting that money away. Another type of voluntary savings account for retirement are the. The IRAs, the individual retirement accounts. Tell us about some of those. Well, that's, you know, if you don't have an employer account or if uh, you don't maximize the amount that can uh, you can contribute in your employer account, you can also put money into an IRA. Uh, that limit this year is $6,000 that you can put aside. Again, instead of it being tax deferred, you get a tax deduction. So that works about the same way uh, for that, that contribution to your IRA. And then uh, if you're over 50, you can actually put an extra $1,000 in. Those, that's called a catch-up. Uh, and the idea is that if you're over 50 and you haven't saved enough for retirement, we want to we help you put more in. As you mentioned, Congress really wants people to be involved in these retirement plans. Uh, you know, we realize that Social Security may not be enough. That's, that's one type of retirement plan. But uh, these private plans that we are allowed to put money into – are supposed to really be our major uh, support in retirement. And statistics show that Americans are not saving uh, for retirement in the amounts that they need to. And we're living longer, too. What's the buzz phrase this summer? It's not burden to society or a drain on society, but I guess the government would like us to make sure we save enough so that we aren't taking social program money. Exactly. And, you know, really, this all started... uh, Really, in the 80s is when this became a focus. There, the, before that, retirement plans were really mainly for highly paid people, uh, and they had their own plans that they would put money aside for. And then the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, ERISA, really tried to make sure that if, if a highly paid employee had a plan, that they also provided it this plan for rank-and-file employees. That's what, that was the term they used back then. But, you know, the, the average person could take advantage of this retirement planning as well because uh, they realized, Congress realized how important it is for all of us to say. If you've been thinking about retirement this summer, (laughs) wishing you could retire to that beach somewhere, some beach, or uh, retire to uh, the mountains, or just stay home and take care of your home and castle, if you've been thinking about that and you have a question, now's your time to call in before our lines get full up later in the hour. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven 
672-7464. You could also send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. One of the other, you mentioned a number of these retirement vehicles happened recently, and part of that is because pensions aren't as common as they once were? That's right. And a pension is referred to as a defined benefit plan, and most of the plans now are defined contribution plans. And the difference is that a contribution plan, you know, I put in 25% of my salary each year or uh, you know, six thousand dollars into a an IRA, and I pick the investments that I want to invest in. Whereas a pension plan is, I put money in each year, and then my employer guarantees me a certain benefit for the rest of my life when I retire. So PERS, which is uh, you know the the employee benefit for teachers and and employees of the university and state employees, is a pension plan. The hardship with pension plans is they're, they're expensive. You know, as, as fewer people are, or as more people are retiring and as we're aging and people are living longer, you got to pay that defined benefit to people over the course of their lifetime. And if fewer people are paying into that system uh, and not paying as much, then, it's, then the state has to uh, supplement. And at some point, what ends up happening is that, that those, some of those pensions actually go bankrupt. That happened in Detroit. So you're going to see fewer and fewer employees uh, providing an actual pension. So we've mentioned pension plans, which are through your employer, a 401k, which I believe this year the contribution limit has been increased to 19000 That's right. And uh, if you are 50 or older, you get uh, an additional $6,000 you can put in as a catch-up. So that's 25000 Excellent. We've mentioned IRAs, which are before tax contributions, you get the tax deduction, and then you are taxed on the amount you withdraw. But then there's also another type of IRA, the Roth. What's that tax implication? Well, the thing about a Roth is you actually pay the taxes now when you put a contribution into a Roth, and there's similar limitations on how much money you can put into a Roth. But you put the money in, and uh, when you take it out, it's not taxable. So any growth that occurs on that Roth uh, after you've invested it uh, is not taxable when you take it out later uh, when you retire. And the idea behind the Roth was really this. Um, when the original IRA concept was that I will be in my highest tax bracket during my earning years, and therefore uh, when I retire and take money out and it's taxable, uh, I'll be in a lower bracket. But that really hasn't happened so much. People are, you know, if they are saving money for retirement and as tax brackets change, they could be in a higher tax bracket actually when they retire. So the Roth allowed you to go ahead and be taxed now and not be taxed later. Uh, the truth is, if you do a uh, time value of money uh, study on that, it works out about the same. I mean, people are really excited about the Roths, and I understand that. But uh, it's a little bit like backing into a parking space. You know, you either do the work up front or you do the work at the end. It all works out about the same. And Congress figured out that the amount of money they take in early because of Roth and contributions will offset the money that they give up later when somebody retires. All right. We're going to take our first break. We'll get to Roger and Bob when we come back. We're talking about the laws and rules of IRAs and such uh, rules tax advantages of retirement investing. If you have a question about the laws concerning 
contact, how your retirement is taxed, call us. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And you can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Where else can you learn about retirement investing? I'll tell you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at legal in legal terms dot mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. And I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We want to remind our listeners that on August 13th, MPB's Money Talks gave out advice about retirement investing. The host, Ryder Taff, a chartered financial analyst with new perspectives, covered those who are retired, those who are about to retire, and people just starting out in the workforce. You can find that show and listen on demand to their website, moneytalk.mpbonline.org, or on your podcasting platform. This morning, we're talking about retirement regulations, 401ks, IRAs. If you have questions about how to get started uh, what are the tax implications? How do you withdraw? Uh, this is what we're talking about with our tax expert, Professor Richard Gershon. And we have a few calls to go to first. Let's go to Roger in Florence. Roger, thanks so much for calling into In Legal Terms today. Oh, it's my privilege, and I appreciate what you do. And I especially appreciate the, uh, the way you and, and, and others you usually interact. Uh, use the English language. I seldom hear you start a sentence unnecessarily with the word "so." <laughs> that's a that's a plague to me. And then the other thing is, I seldom hear you insert two or three or even one time during a sentence the phrase "you know." Well, that's abbreviated. <laughs> it's abbreviated. You know, you know, you know. It's okay. Forgive me for that. I'm I'm calling because I have a particular hang up with. Uh, and as we put in as well, <laughs> and you may have heard this too, Prof. Bean, uh, I, I resent the fact that our law allows people to have tremendous assets hidden by trusts and otherwise, and still qualify for uh, federal tax benefits that I have to help pay. And so I have a question for you on the business of the whole tank, which I, I misunderstood, I guess, that that was the thrust of this whole morning's presentation. Uh, well, it, it's included. Uh, are deferred comp assets counted for qualification for Medicaid? Uh, I know that I just happen to know many things about Medicaid, and one of them is that if you're already on Medicare, 
maybe you're on disability or whatever. If you're on Medicare, no assets are considered for your qualification for Medicaid. Now, that's a failure of our Congress, and you've been complimentary to Congress, I think, this morning, but they need to fix that. And, and that's a fact. If you're on Medicaid, there's any reason, that, and you apply for Medicaid for any reason, your assets are not considered in your application. You can be rich. Okay, are assets, are deferred comp assets counted? For someone who applies for Medicaid? Well, that's a, it's a great question, Judge, and I appreciate your call, and I know you've talked about this before. Um, what you look at in Medicaid really is there are you have property assets and then also modified adjusted gross income. So they're not part of your modified adjusted gross income because they're not uh, paid out. Uh, and truthfully, uh, the person who is disabled and needs to be on Medicaid for a special needs trust, those assets are not counted, but they probably would not be part of a special needs trust. Um, you know, they might be part of a, a structured settlement where uh, money is put aside. But usually we're not talking about somebody who's then uh, full-time employed who's putting money aside. So those deferred comp assets typically don't play into special needs trust. I just wondered, though, if you end up quitting, you know, you've got you've got your your deferred comp built up, you've got other other assets, and you decide not to not to work and you decide that you don't want to pay your medical bills and you want you and me to pay them and uh, you can apply for Medicaid and you don't have to list your assets if you're on Medicare. There are other questions, but that's that was my. I don't know that that's within your expertise. No, it's okay. But you know, the thing about it is the the, the you know, there are clawback provisions. So if someone gets Medicaid and then there are assets available uh, after their death, and uh, you know, and which would include any uh, different comp assets that they had, then those could be clawed back by the state to pay the state back. So. Uh, you know, the idea with a special needs trust, and Rick Courtney can talk to this better than I can, uh, is that you've got someone who needs additional income besides the uh, the Medicaid and the care they get from Medicaid and other state uh, agencies uh, for special needs, for things like a, a special vehicle because they're in a wheelchair. Uh, and, and Congress has provided that they can have a trust set up to to give them those assets, and they will not be disqualified from Medicaid. So, you know, that's more of a policy issue, but right now that's that's what the law says. Yeah, it's absolutely a policy issue. Okay, well, that's, that's the question. Thanks for what you're doing, and I appreciate both of you. And good job. Thanks. Goodbye. Thank you. We appreciate you calling in today, Roger. If any of our other listeners have a question, we would love for you to participate in our show. We're talking about the laws and regulations around retirement accounts, 401ks, Roth IRAs, IRAs, how to withdraw, what, how much you can withdraw, how much you can contribute. Let us know if you have any questions about this with our tax attorney, Professor Richard Gershon. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you could send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Next, we're going to go to Roger in Hattie. I'm sorry, Bob in Hattiesburg. Bob, thanks for calling in to Le- In Legal Terms. We appreciate you being on our show. Go ahead. 
You my question concerns a Roth IRA. When is a Roth IRA account on distribution taxable to the uh, recipient? Uh, all the contributions were made and and paid taxes on, so there was no income that was had not been paid taxes on prior to going into the Roth. Well, then the distributions are not taxable, and that really is the point. Um, of the Roth is that you pay the taxes up front when you when you create a Roth, and then as you take distributions out, they're not taxable. And unlike uh, traditional IRAs where you have to start taking distributions at 70 and a half, you don't ever have to start taking those distributions from a Roth. Uh, so Congress is collecting the tax up front uh, as opposed to with a traditional IRA where you're deferring the tax and they're collecting the tax at the end when the person starts taking money out. So they want you to start taking money out at 70 and a half, whereas the Roth, there's really no, no reason for them to require a minimum distribution. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of language in the rules that I was reading that showed sometime it was taxable. I guess that's some money that was put in there that was never paid taxes on. Uh, that's right. So, I mean, it could uh, be that you made contributions that um, – that if you never paid taxes on them up front, then they could be subject to tax. But, you know, it, most of the contributions, if you're making a contribution to a Roth, the idea behind it is to go ahead and pay the taxes up front. And so you could convert an IRA to a Roth by paying taxes uh, on that IRA uh, and then, you know, contributing it to the Roth. Is there, if it's just a large amount. Uh, there's substantial appreciation in these assets. Does that change the matter? It doesn't. Okay, good. Good news. Uh, thank you, Doctor. My pleasure. All right. Thank you, Bob, for calling in to In Legal Terms. Let's go ahead and go to George in Picayune. George, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. Uh, go ahead. All right. Thank you for having me. Uh, I was curious if uh, in a regular IRA account, if you have uh, quite a few funds built up in there, if it's possible that you could buy rental property uh, with those funds and actually use that as a, uh, a vehicle within your IRA. Uh, and also, uh, if so, what happens to you at 70 and a half when you have to start taking out a certain amount of your IRA? Uh, how would the taxes uh, work on you at that time? Well, I'll take that first that last question first, if that's okay. Um, okay. Uh, the uh, IRA minimum distribution has to start 70 and a half. Uh, by the way, if you have a, an employer plan and you're still working past 70 and a half, you don't have to start taking those distributions, and you can still contribute uh, from that employer plan. But with an IRA, you've got to start taking about 70 and a half, and they're taxable. So any uh, amounts that you haven't paid tax on, which if, it's, if you've deducted the amounts up front, and if there's growth uh, and there's their capital gains from investments, you have to pay tax on, on, that, uh, on that amount. So you have a distribution that comes out, it's all taxable. The idea, though, is that was income you could have had uh, at the time you earned it, and you deferred it to a later time, and you deferred the tax to a later time uh, when you needed the money uh, when you retired. And that's the idea behind that. Now, the question is about the rental property. 
Um, there's specific rules that uh, we talk about with, uh, with property and IRAs. And so to answer your question, there are – you can't, for example, buy your own rental property that you already owned and uh, put it in your IRA. Uh, that would be considered um, – uh, you'd be a disqualified person for doing that. Uh, the IRA itself has to be managed by a, a trustee, uh, and so um, there are there, there are investments they can make in rental property, but that's one that you would really need to talk to uh, your advisor about the specific rental property because there's there's special rules about um, you know how that how that would work, and uh, and so uh, I would be really careful in in terms of that investment. Right. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Professor Gerson, as I understand when you were talking to George, the investment opportunities within an IRA is they are offered to you by the the trustee or the organization or the brokerage company that manages the IRA? That's right. And so you'll, you'll see several now that are online, uh, a lot of the companies whose names I'm not going to try to promote anybody in particular, but, you know, they, you should be able to talk to them and ask them what, what uh, types of options they have. And they're pretty broad. So they would include real estate investments uh, through them, and they would include uh, stocks, bonds, uh, guaranteed payments, kind of like a pension. Uh, you could, you know, invest in an annuity if that's what you're advised to do. Uh, again, that's something that you would want to talk to your own financial advisor uh, before you make those decisions. The key, though, I think, in investments, like any investments, to make sure, again, like Money Talks would say, make sure you're diversified. All right. Well, we're today we're talking about some of the rules and regulations around retirement, IRAs, 401ks, those distributions. When we come back from the break, we would love to take your call. Give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464 with your questions. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. How many people do you think have some type of IRA? Do you think it's 31%, 54%, or 62% of Americans? We'll tell you when we come back from the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert tax and legal extraordinaire. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. And folks, podcasts are just a way to listen to recorded programs on demand. There's many different podcasting platforms. Just download one to your phone through the Google Play Store. If you have an Apple, your phone already has a podcasting app. You touch a plus, something that's going to take you to a page to search for podcasts. Then type in in legal terms in the search area you can then touch the photo of us subscribe and you're notified when any new episodes are loaded up 
we want to let you know that only 31% of Americans have an IRA. That's the 2017 number from TIAA's survey. The study also revealed that 56% of Americans think all IRAs are the same, which we are learning on this show that they absolutely aren't. This morning we're talking about the legal regulations, some of the laws around IRAs, 401ks, retirement plans. We have a couple of calls on the line. Let's go first to Q, who is on the road. Uh, Drive carefully, and we appreciate you calling in. Q, go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I just got a few questions. I'm 67 years old, and I have Medicaid, but I am driving full-time. I still pay taxes on. Now, I did not have set up in a uh, retirement plan, but I had some gold that I have stashed up for. How much can I contribute to IRA at my age? Okay, it's a great question. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can contribute $6,000, but since you're over 50, you can actually contribute $7,000. Uh, and it's never too late to start contributing, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, one um, one thing I wanted to point out too. I mentioned the Roth IRA. You could you could do an Roth IRA, but I'm not sure that makes sense for you. Uh, the caller before asked when are Roths taxed, and they're not taxed unless uh, you leave the amount in the account for less than five years. So what Congress doesn't want you to do is be able to invest for short term and then take it out and get uh, tax-free benefits of appreciation. But other than that, Roths are not taxed. But I think for for this caller, it's good to start putting some money away for retirement because it sounds like you're going to be working for a while and around for a while and in good health. I was probably working another three years. I'm pretty healthy so far. Thank God. Well, that's great. And there will be some Social Security, too. We can't uh, underestimate the fact that um, if you've been paying into Social Security, you're entitled to that when you retire as well. And the longer you work, the higher the amount will be that you take from Social Security. Okay. So you said I can put down uh, 7000 a year on uh, that's right. add it on and- to my retirement? That's right, and that'll be that you can deduct that from your taxes. That seven thousand dollars, and uh, oh wow, okay. So that actually, really, the government is helping you. They're helping you save some money for retirement. Right, because right now, every penny I make is out, they still take tax out of me. Right, and so that'll defer some of that tax. Oh, All right, wow. Q. Did you have another question? That's fantastic. That's all I need to know. Well, thank you very much. I've been listening to you guys back and forth, but I just never got caught in. Well, thank you. You did a good job. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. We we love our drivers, our truck drivers who listen to us while they're on I-20 or I-55. Just be extra careful. Be hands-free. We appreciate you listening and calling in. Let's now go to Bill, who's calling in from Clinton. Bill, thanks for listening to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Yes, I have five checks that are from IRAs of my wife. Uh, the checks are dated August 8th. My wife passed away in July. Of course, we only have one bank account. It's a, it's a shared or joint account. Do you think I'll be able to get that money into my bank account? 
you should be able to. First of all, I'm sorry about uh, the passing of your wife. Um, that's a, that's a very sad. And you know, the um, couple of things to, to think about. This is one is the checks that came to your wife. You're going to uh, need to um, show a death certificate to the to the bank, and so you want to have somebody help you get uh, some certified copies of death certificates. But yes, you'll be able to get those into the bank account eventually. The other thing is that the IRA that she had, uh, you have a couple of choices. You can go ahead and take all the money out and be taxed on it, or you can still defer the, the taxes uh, you know, based on life expectancy. So um, you'll have to take a required minimum distribution every year as an inherited IRA. Uh, and so something will have to come out. Something will have to be taxed. But uh, you can continue to defer at least part of that. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Bill, we appreciate you calling in. Listeners, if you would like to call in, we've got Professor Gershon, and he is a tax and legal a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. He's also our regular host for In Legal Terms. So this is a fantastic time for you to call in and speak with him. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Professor Gershon, we got an email from a listener this morning who says, I'd like to cash in a life insurance policy. Payout would be about $20,000. They're 68 years old, married, and they're both retired with an income around $58,000 a year. They also freelance, and if they go ahead and cash out this insurance policy, will they need to pay high taxes? Do you th- uh, what would happen if they waited until they're 70? What do you think in would the best options for this listener? They've been paying for 20 years, and um, the, the little bit of information about the uh, the payout. Right, right. And uh, I did. I finally did get that email. Thank you for sending that. Um, you know, I, this is a tough question because I don't know their overall tax situation or what they have in retirement plans. I mean, certainly one thing, if you're 68 years old, you could still be contributing to retirement. So one thought is uh, unless you need this money, if you wanted to cash it in and, and donate or contribute it, you could still contribute some to a retirement plan. Uh, you know, life insurance, if it's if the person dies life insurance payable to a beneficiary is not taxable at all. But if you cash in the life insurance, a portion of it will be taxable. Um, And I imagine this is a whole life policy that that she's talking about uh, and not a term policy. Uh, It really depends on how how badly they need the money and what their their current tax bracket is, et cetera, uh, whether that is a, a good idea to take that money out. So I think they need to talk to an advisor about that, whether they want to invest that money somewhere else. The truth is, I mean, if I'm being honest about life insurance, at some point, you know, it may be a good thing not to be paying for life insurance policies, and you may want to think about long-term care instead. Uh, Life insurance, unlike auto insurance, auto insurance insures in case we get in an accident. Life insurance does not insure against dying because that's going to happen. 
the older we get, the less likely it is that we're going to die at an early age where our income is uh, what our family dependence depends upon. So it might be time to move away from life insurance, certainly, and invest that money elsewhere. Um, but the tax consequences would really depend on their, their overall tax circumstances. And this is just a reminder to our listeners Professor Gershon has a wealth of information, and he can tell you what the taxes and regulation laws are. He'll just be able to tell you flat out what the laws and regulations are. As to your own situation, you may need to specifically employ a consultant or an advisor to help you with your particular information. Let's go ahead and go to the phones. We've got Eric, who has called in from Starkville. Eric, we're so glad you're going to be a part of In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to maybe make a comment or a clarification. I was listening, and uh, previously uh, the doctor suggested to the lady who was a driver that she could deduct her IRA contribution from her taxes. I guess it's a question. Did he mean taxable income, or was he was he saying the actual tax amount? Yes, taxable income. So it deducted from, and that's an important point because uh, you, if you could deduct a dollar from dollar from your taxes, that's really a tax credit, and that's much more valuable than a deduction. A deduction, if I'm in the twenty percent tax bracket, every dollar of deduction only saves me twenty cents. It still saves me money. It still means that uh, the government is, in essence, contributing 20 cents to my IRA along with the 80 cents I'm contributing. But that's a lot different than saying it's a dollar-for-dollar tax savings. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Thank you. Uh, We love it when our listeners keep us honest. Thanks, Eric. We appreciate you calling in. We're going to our last break, so you only have a few more minutes to call in with your questions concerning retirement accounts. What are the legal tax implications for these contributions, and when do you need to start taking those out, and what happens if you don't take out your required minimum distributions? We want you to call in. Our number is one 877 MPB ring. That's 1 672 7464. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. The IRS IRAs were first introduced in 1974, but there was a change made to them in 2002. Do you know what that change was? Was it spousal IRAs? Was it IRAs for those under 20? Or was it catch-up contributions? We'll tell you after the break, and we'll, this, we'll talk about the SECURE Act. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, and it's also available on demand on our podcast I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Professor Gershon is a noted and uh, authored an author of many tax and legal 
publications. So this is your time to ask your questions about retirement plans, IRAs, required distributions. And we mentioned before what's one of the newer facets of our tax regulations. It's the catch-up contributions. They weren't always available. It wasn't until 2002 that workers 50 and older were given the option to sock away a little extra cash for retirement. Professor Gershon, how much extra over the limits are individuals able to contribute as a catch-up? Well, $1,000 to individual retirement accounts, uh, $6,000 to a 401k. So the limit for a 401k uh, or a 403b, as the case may be, because those are for not-for-profit organizations, is $25,000. And then the employer, on top of that, can make their own contributions for the employee. So uh, it could be a substantial amount that someone could put away uh, for retirement. All right. I have found this very interesting. I like to know what's coming up, what's on the block, what we need to be ready for, and what you may need to call your representatives or senators about. Tell us about the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement, the SECURE Act, S-E-C-U-R-E. Well, the SECURE Act passed the House uh, really uh, easily. Uh, it's now being held up in, in Senate, and it, uh, it may take some time, but it's, uh, a lot of people hope that the Senate will actually pass this act. So it's not law yet. But one thing it would do is it would uh, increase the minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72 years. Uh, I think people are living longer, and so allowing people to uh, put, keep their money deferred, tax deferred for another year and a half could be very helpful. Uh, it, it would also um, help part-time workers. Right now, part-time workers don't really have access to uh, participate in employer plans, 401k plans, as, as the same way that full-time employees do. And in our gig economy, there are a lot more part-time employees uh, and self-employed people. So if we're trying to make uh, these plans more available to someone who's part-time uh, would be great. Uh, also, you could um, contribute to traditional IRAs for as long as you wanted to. So, you know, if I keep working and want to keep contributing my IRA, even after I'm 70 and a half, under the SECURE Act, I could do that. Currently, the current law says i got to stop making contributions at 70 and a half. Um, it would also create uh, a, requ- a re- t- requirement that if you inherit an IRA, instead of taking out required minimum distributions over your lifetime, life expectancy, you'd have to take those out over a 10-year period. So it would accelerate uh, the amount of tax that uh, Congress could collect from someone who inherited an IRA. I was looking at this, and there are you know quite a few bat things in this basket of options. I found it was interesting for uh, grad students and care providers, those who may have money coming in that isn't considered taxable income because your contributions are limited to the amount of your taxable income and then uh, also if you're a spousal that has that kind of restrictions also but for grad students and care providers this would enable them to save a little bit more exactly and that's the, the idea behind this is really I think Congress recognizes that the Social Security system is is under some duress, no question about it. People talk about that it will cease to exist in in, about 2030. Um, We don't know for sure that that will happen, but 
we want more and more people to get into their own savings plans and not to rely on Social Security as their source of retirement. And, and this act would encourage them to do that. Another one I found interesting was auto-enrolled enrollment 401ks would be enhanced. I guess I didn't even realize that there were auto-enrolled 401ks. That's where a portion of your salary would be invested for you, and you have to make the extra effort to not have it invested. Right. And some of that really started with the uh, the ERISA Act itself, which wanted to cover as many employees as possible under qualified plans, plans that are uh, tax-deferred plans uh, like 401Ks. And so employees really have incentive because coverage is one of the things they look at to see if your plan is, is uh, qualified. Employees are, have incentive to make sure as many employees are covered as possible. So as soon as somebody becomes an employee, money's going to be put aside for them for retirement. They have to opt out. When you mentioned one of the times that a Roth IRA might be taxable was that if it was left if it was withdrawn after, uh, within five years, the SECURE Act, which hasn't been passed nationally, it has been passed by the House, but hasn't passed the Senate or been signed by the President, it would allow for penalty-free withdrawals for birth or adoption of children, and it also would have the credit card access to 401k loans would be prohibited. Right. And uh, we didn't talk about loans, and we probably don't have uh, much time to talk about them, but uh, you can't take a loan from your IRA, but you can from your employer plan if it provides for loans, but you have to pay back within a certain period of time, and there there are all kinds of restrictions on those loans. Uh, this would further restrict uh, the type of loans that could be made because, you know, again, if the idea is this money is supposed to be there for retirement, we don't want people taking it out early. Right. Well, we are finishing up our hour now with Professor Richard Gershon. We've been talking about retirement laws, retirement regulations. Let's go through just a few more you mentioned that uh, the loans from retirement plans, that seems a, a little bit dangerous. It is. And, you know, there are uh, people probably thinking, well, what if what if I get into a really bad situation? You know, there's the hurricane, uh, for example. What if it uh, causes so much damage? I really need to tap into my retirement plan, but I'm not 59 and a half. Can I avoid the 10 percent penalty that occurs? Because if you take out. Uh, retirement money early, there's a 10% penalty on top of having to pay taxes on the money you take out. So that's that's a big slap. Well, Congress does pass uh, uh, disaster relief prov- provisions that will allow people to take money out of a retirement plan without the 10% penalty. You still have to pay tax on it. Uh, there are other circumstances like that where disasters occur. Uh, so, you know, the loan is really another type of uh, situation where you want to avoid that. If I, can, uh, if I can avoid taking money out of my retirement plan, I, I should do that. I should find other sources. All right. And lastly, uh, quickly, how do you know how long you're going to live if you have required, required minimum distributions? How is that figured? Well, it's based on life expectancy, and actuaries have come up with life expectancy tables. And, you know, so it really is just a guess. You could live longer than that, and you could live shorter than that. But the, the, the amount paid out each year is an amount based on 
the value of the account that year and how many more years you expect to live. So it, it can be recalculated every year because every year you live, I, your life expectancy may be a little bit shorter. Although, even though my life expectancy right now might be to be, I, that I live to 80, once I get to 80, it's not like I stop. So somebody who reaches the age of 80 has a life expectancy of a certain more years because on average they'll live a little bit longer. In my personal experience, I would like everyone to please know what some of the penalties are. On my very first job, I contributed to my employer uh, 401k and then rolled it over, but I didn't roll it over fast enough. So the Internal Revenue Service said, that was a bad decision, Liz. Give us some of that money. Yeah, that was a 10% penalty, I would imagine. That's right. And what are the penalties for not taking enough distribution when it's time? Even worse. I mean, it could be a 50% excise tax. Uh, so you really, there's no incentive not to take the money when you have to take it. So, you know, the, if, you, if you have your money invested in a, uh, an IRA or a 401k, the a plan administrator should help you and calculate your required minimum distribution and send it to you automatically. Well, this has been so much fun, Professor Gershon. I appreciate you coming on and giving us your expertise. You always get us some great guests, but we love to hear from you and, and churn some of that information out for you yourself. Well, thank you, Liz. It was a pleasure. You, you earn your paycheck, which we do want to remind our listeners, Professor Gershon does this for free. He's a volunteer. He's a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law, but it's his passion, and we appreciate him volunteering with Mississippi Public Broadcasting and partnering to get the show on. This is going to wrap us up for today. Our call screener for today has been Michelle McAdoo, and Jay White is our engineer. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively Speaking, but we hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.